Hey folks, it's Len. Please enjoy this bonus show where Jim and I talk about all of the things that we heard at D23 and all of the things we expected to hear but didn't. And if you like this sort of thing from Jim and I, please give us a listen over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa. Today we're going to wrap up everything that we heard about at D23. Not only the stuff that we knew about and we told you would, would happen, but also some of the surprises, or what we thought was surprising. And also, to end the show, we're going to talk about the 50 to 66% of the things that Disney could have announced that they didn't at D23. In order to do that, we need to bring in the man that successfully eluded authorities and managed to get into the Anaheim Convention Center one more year when Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? They never looked in my Big Hero 6 costume. I can do Baymax even without the inflation. So it was kind of just <laughs> pale white guy walked in and then like they, they never checked. No one expects the cosplay, Jim. No one expects the cosplay. All right, Jim. So let's, let's start off with the things that we sort of already knew about. We knew that they were going to give more details on the Star Wars land model. Mm -hmm. We didn't know the name, Star Wars Galaxy Edge. Yep. And we talked about the model on our last show. Any big surprises that came out after that? I got to sit down with John George. I got to talk with Chris Beatty. And some of the stuff they shared, oh, it's just kind of mind-blowing. Chris was talking about how he took Doug Chang, who's the art director for all of the Star Wars movies. He's, he's walking the site. And they're going into individual scenes, you know, some of the structural still for the individual scenes that the spaces are big enough to be traditional show buildings for normal rides. That's wow. how epic the scale of this thing. And, and Doug was just thrilled because it's just, you know, one of these things where there was a guy who works in movies, you know, you build a set for like six weeks or there's a lot of green screen, you design it. It's never, it never lasts or it's certainly never this big. And Doug yeah. was like, oh my God, this is going to be here for generations. And this is so cool. But the flip side was that I also learned of a ride that actually got canceled. And, and now it's all I can think about, Len. <laughs> all, right. all right. What's that ride, Jim? We'll, we'll, we'll tease people and then we'll talk about it more later. Go ahead. Okay. It's the Bantha ride. You were actually going to get to ride on the back of a Bantha. How is this not an animal kingdom, Jim? I, I do not know, Len. We're yeah. missing an opportunity here. All right. We'll have to talk okay. more about that. Okay. Other things that we knew about that were announced, Tron Coaster for... Magic Kingdom, you had, uh, you had called us. The thing that surprised me about this was it's not taking over the space of the Tomorrowland Speedway. They're pushing well, out the berm. We got that they were bringing it in. It was going to be in Tomorrowland, but you're right, the orientation. I was told that two things changed the orientation of this, that mm -hmm. it was going to load on load, was going to be on top of Autopia, and then it was going to run through the land and basically turn around where Carousel is, Carousel of Progress, and then go back. Right. And two things. One is that survey work showed that Autopia, it's not necessarily a super popular attraction, but it's a rite of passage attraction. Parents remember driving there themselves and very much look forward to taking their own children on the ride and putting them behind the wheel and giving them their own driving experience. Okay. They are keeping Carousel Progress because the thinking was, well, for the 50th anniversary, we should have at least one ride that Walt himself touched. Not only is the Carousel of Progress saved, they are actively developing a new finale scene and they are looking for a new narrator. And I have been told that the first two people they approached were Morgan Freeman and Gene Hackman. And Gene Hackman 
has basically retired from acting. He was flattered, but he said no. Whereas Morgan Freeman, who is is appearing in Disney's new The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, it's sort of a big screen version of Tchaikovsky's The Nutcracker, and evidently they're still waiting to hear back from Morgan. So that may be who replaces Garrison Keillor, but it means that that will, with a new show scene and a newer narrator, that will stay for another 20 to 25 years. Good. I mean, hopefully they can update it more often than they have. That's good to hear. I was um, I was a little bit surprised that they pushed out past the berm in Adventureland. But if you look at that, that's that's prime space right there. No, it is. It is. But the weird thing is that it's not going to necessarily going to be a kinetic that the general public can enjoy. I mean, that roadway... That heads backstage into cast member-only territory. So it's not a question of people who are driving by on Perimeter Road can go, oh, my God, look at that. I have to ride that. Yeah, what I was looking at there, Jim, was uh, you could see it from Bay Lake Tower from the Contemporary. And if they ever mm-hmm. demolish the Contemporary Convention Center and make way for another luxury building, you'd have uh, fantastic views of Tomorrowland from it. Okay, that's worth pointing out. All right, other things that we knew, Ratatouille at France, mm-hmm. all that one. Yep. Is that going to be a clone of the French ride? I mean, just a virtual clone? For the version that's at Walt Disney Studios Paris, it actually ends with the idea that you're going to Remy's. Right. And I guess the, the chefs de France had something to say about that. About rats in the kitchen, right? Well, uh, more to the effect of we already have a very popular restaurant here, and we don't necessarily want your cute little kitty ride cutting into our turf. So I'm not entirely sure we're getting the restaurant experience at the end of this. If anything, I think it's just going to be the ride unto itself. They may hint at that, do it as a show scene rather than a restaurant, and then dump you into retail. There will be differences, but there was a negotiation about bringing this into Epcot, and the folks who were running that restaurant have been doing a land office business for years. In fact, particularly did a great land business when they had that living character initiative Remy rolling around the restaurant. Right. But yeah, they're like, as long as there isn't a restaurant, we are okay with you building that ride. And so that leads into the second question about the Remy ride. Is it going to alter the footprint of either Impressions de France or Lizal's Boulangerie Patisserie? I heard no, but just to confirm, no? If anything, it looks like they'll be driving more foot traffic by the patisserie. That's what I thought, yeah. That's how they were trying to sell it. This is a hugely popular attraction. We're driving more people through this part of the park. More people who are waiting, who see the long line, will divert into the pseudo-circle vision they were trying to sell, look, it's a win-win. Yeah. You have more sales of the patisserie. This is good that this is coming here. All right, a couple other things. Caribbean Beach, DVC gets a name, the Riviera. We knew about that. We knew about the tower. You had called the tower a while ago. Mm-hmm. You had said it was going to have a rooftop restaurant with views of Epcot and mm-hmm. the studio's fireworks. So nothing new there, although they did release a new piece of artwork for it. But any surprises off that? Didn't we originally hear the, I guess now they're calling it the Skyline? was going to go out to the Coronado? Not to the Coronado. That's phase two. Ah. We actually said it was phase two. Right. So we're, we're getting to the Skyline. Uh, that's my next thing. Oh, I have to tell you this great story in regard to the Skyline. Jeremiah, who, who writes for LaughingPlace.com, was flying out on the plane for the D23 Expo and ended up being seated next to this gentleman who's working on the project. Hmm. And they just sort of struck a conversation. And, and it was one of these things when he realized that Jeremiah was asking some fairly probing questions, tried to sort of steer away. 
you know, he said, well, I'm just strictly working on the, the drainage aspect. So Jeremiah thinks and kind of calls something up on his phone. And it's like, well, the drainage plan you're working on, would it look something like this and held out the root? <laughs> <laughs> and the guy looks at it and says, yeah, that's basically the drainage plan. So it got the actual root confirmed before the event began. I mean, that's, for me, the greatest part of the expo is yeah. the stuff that bubbles out from places that it really shouldn't. See, this is the difference between Jeremiah and me. Jeremiah whips out a diagram Yep. Of the drainage, I carry sodium pentothal for my for my seatmates. <laughs> two two different approaches, Jim. They all end up at the same place. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all I, right. I, I, myself, nude photos are much better leverage. <laughs> Again, we we all have our techniques. There we go. All right. So the gondola thing definitely a go. Uh, the yeah. one, one thing I did notice just in the concept art, and and I'll, we'll be brief on this. Mm. I had originally heard ten people per gondola. This looks smaller than that. Did they give it capacity? No. They're now trying to sell this as a return of an old favorite, but marrying it with the character. But yeah, I have to admit, what I had had described to me mm -hmm. initially was larger capsules. And I, I guess what happened was that there's only a handful of companies that actually make these things. on. But mm -hmm. Disney was pitting them against one another. And what they were dangling is, as you said, you know, this is phase one. We have a phase two and we have a phase three. So sure. you give us a good price on this one and we will definitely come back to you for phase two and phase three. Okay. But the people I was talking with described it as the capsule sort of like you see on the Orlando Eye that can hold 10 or 15 people at a time, are very sleek yeah. and closed, have air conditioning. And these really do look smaller and seem to be more modeled on the old Sky Bucket Skyway idea. But I, I think, again, that's with hitting the nostalgia note for the okay. 50th anniversary. But again, remember, this is concept art. Yeah, it's concept. That's what I was going to say. And Disney has a gift for misdirecting concept art. It's like, I kept expecting the giant balloon or the clouds to appear between me and the gondolas. You know, it's like, wow, those look great. What the hell are they? <laughs> that's what I figured. I figured it was concept art and the, uh, you know, your results may, uh, may mm -hmm. vary. Speaking of transportation, Disney launched their Uber service called Minivans, which yeah. uh, we didn't have a name, but we knew it was coming. They are Honda minivans. Some mm -hmm. of them are custom fitted, you said, to hold four people and a wheelchair or a CV or up to six people. Mm -hmm. It's $20 one way for up to six people anywhere on the park. The thing we didn't really know, know about this is yep. the price. Mm -hmm. Any comments from Disney on the price? Because as we've noted, this is somewhere between two and three times the cost of a typical Uber trip in, uh, well, in Disney. Why is that? Why does Disney think they can charge $20 for it? Some of it is... The car, it's cute, it's pink, it's polka dots, it's got ears. Yeah. The, oh, the fun of the Disney experience, climbing into this thing and driving all, pro all over property. Sure. They're trying to sell this as the fun and the convenience. Upwards of six family members into this thing and then That's true. go straight from the Grand Flow over to Disney Springs without climbing on a bus or getting on a monorail and changing at another resort or that sort of thing. So they've done test marketing and survey and that sort of thing. We now live in a world where it's like, what's well, 20 bucks? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? For the people who are going to Disney World, what's $20 is actually a fairly common question, right? Like, yeah, I, no, I get that. that's it exactly. You mentioned, too, the uh, one big bonus that Disney has here mm -hmm. for their minivan service that Uber doesn't is the minivans will be able to use the bus drop-off lanes. And that's at the Magic Kingdom. That's a huge 
huge win, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So this is Disney using access as a selling point again. We continue to see the skyboxing of the Disney World experience. That again, there yeah. were the people who won't be willing to pay that. So they have the monorail or the bus and you know, the folks who are. And for the speed and the convenience, it's, you know, it's 20. Everybody climb in. On the other side of this, the driverless thing is still coming. This is oh yeah yeah this is this is the phase interim one, yeah. step. So yep. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. the way that you'll know that the driverless cars are coming is when you see things happening in Disney World, like you're seeing in California, where they're painting the stripes on the road mm -hmm. slightly wider to make it easier for the vision systems in the cars to pick up on the lanes. So they're going from four inches wide on the stripes in California to six inches wide to make them more easily identifiable to computer systems. When you see that happening in Walt Disney World, then you'll know it's uh, it's coming up. Wow. Okay, cool, cool. All right, Jim. So let's talk about the things that we sort of knew about but that were surprising. And I'll start with Mickey and Minnie's uh, Runaway Railway, the great movie ride. We knew a Mickey Mouse ride was coming. The week before D23, I had actually tweeted out mm -hmm. the great movie ride was going to close sooner rather than later. What we didn't know was August 13th for the closing time. Jim, uh, so a couple points. One, uh, once Green Movie Ride closes, I think there will be no original rides at the studios uh, no. left. Number two, what, what's left at the studios? As soon as, the, as soon as they said August 13th, I said, well, they can't charge full price now for what? They'll have 11 rides left. Two of them are going to be walkthroughs. Mm -hmm. Two of them are going to be stage shows that haven't been updated in 25 years. Are we left with seven things? want to clarify something right off the bat here. There's been some concern about the facade of the Chinese theater changing for this new attraction. It's like, no, that stays exactly as it is. That building is considered yeah. this park's castle. Disney has spent millions of dollars creating this projection system between the holiday program and the... Yeah, that's, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, Not going anywhere. All right. But Jim, August 13th, August 13th another big rise... But so here's, here's the thing. If you listen to the Parks and Resort presentation, they never once say where the Mickey Mouse Runaway Railway is going. And you know why that happened? A day previously, they'd had a, a 50th anniversary panel for Pirates of the Caribbean. And when they mentioned the change, that the auction scene's being changed out for the Surrender Your Booty scene... Which, yeah. by the way, Len, am I the only one who hears the double entendre there? You know? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention this. As soon as you said that, I was like, whoa, stay away, okay, Len. no. I mean, it's uh, just like, all right. But anyway, they booed Marty Scalar when he... Uh, which is like basically booing your grandfather. Well, right? well that's it, exactly. It, I was actually embarrassed for the people who did it. It's like... What Marty was saying, he was defending that Walt did this all the time, that he changed out scenes of the jungle. I mean, yes, he didn't change out scenes in the Jungle Cruise because the elephants were protesting. I mean, and, and let's be honest, this change is being done for politically correct reasons. But, but they booed Marty. So the thinking going into the Parks and Resorts panel is like, well, let's just stress that this is the first Mickey ride that's coming in. And yeah. we don't have to tell them. They'll find out soon enough. Well, the thing is, it can't go behind the great movie. It is replacing the great movie ride. And it is replacing it the great movie ride. It has yeah. to, because behind the great movie ride is Toy Story. We know that that's staying because of where Toy Story Land is. And we know that the backside of great movie ride is Star Wars Land, and it's not going to go there. So, yeah. But, Jim, August 13th. August 13th. Yeah, well... 
Well, I mean, again, I've interviewed him a number of times. I've talked with him. He's a great guy. Kevin Rafferty. He's the Imagineer who's in charge of Mickey's Runaway Railway. And there honestly couldn't be a better guy on this project. I caught up with him after the show. You know, when I said, so, great movie ride? And he said, well, no, we didn't say that. And it's a big park. We could build this ride anywhere. And Kate Upton could start returning my calls, Jim. Maybe, yeah, lots of things could happen. Can I have to credit Tim Grassley? (laughs) Tim, all right, yeah. All right, but here's what Tim Tim does. Tim and I have been talking when we stumbled upon Kevin and his family. So we go up and we're chatting. And Kevin was talking about they showed this amazing sort of playtest where they transformed a warehouse. In fact, that's one of the key things of this attraction is mm-hmm. that scenes are going to transform immediately while you're in a room. It's, it's like you're, you're really in a cartoon. Okay. But Kevin was mentioning that the warehouse we worked in, the ceilings were only 35 feet tall. And so Tim just sort of casually lobs into the conversation, yeah, the ceilings in the great movie right are far higher than that, aren't there? And Kevin goes, uh-huh, and then sort of looks at him like, crap. <laughs> I verified it. But again, Ken, Kevin didn't actually tell us that. You know, just, Tim got that info. No, as far as we know, I mean, officially, we have no idea where the ride is going. Right? No, that's, yeah, it. Okay. that's it. Exactly. Uh-huh. But the uh-huh. very fact that this thing is closing down. Yeah. All right. want to stress here, it did not get this from Kevin, but I heard from other Imagineers at the show that this is very much going to be a journey into your imagination with figment situation in that the pre-existing track and layout of the great movie ride is going to be significantly shortened and simplified for this new attraction. Part of that is because they want to grab upwards of a third of this building so they Mm -hmm. then have room for this additional street to sort of slide over to Star Wars land for a second. They made a point of talking up in California that the key difference between the Disneyland version of Galaxy's Edge and the Walt Disney World version of Galaxy's Edge mm-hmm. is that the Anaheim version had three entrances. You had Critter mm-hmm. Country, Fantasyland, and again, the Frontier one off of Big Thunder Trail. Walt okay. Disney World, only two entrances. One two, coming yeah. through the old Streets of America and the other one through Toy Story Land. And one of the reasons they're doing this is eventually this third street, this expansion area. And the expansion area will come behind the uh, what's now the Great Movie Ride? Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay. So this is one of those moving pieces thing where it goes away and then comes back. There you go. Interesting. 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 All right. Cool. Another closure for August 13th, Universe of Energy, Ellen's Energy Adventure for Guardians of the Galaxy Coaster. We saw this one coming. No big surprise here. Even the date isn't really that much of a surprise. Nah. On the heels of how well the movie did this summer. And by the way, Chapek made a point of saying that right now at the Disneyland Resort, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is the most popular attraction, not just at DCA, in the entire Disneyland Resort. Both, wow, both parks. that's impressive. So they feel completely justified now in pushing forward with that redo, bringing those characters to that park. I thought the explanation of uh, who's the main character in Guardians of the Galaxy? Uh, Peter Quill, Star-Lord. That he visited Epcot when he was young. I thought that was cheap, and I'll leave it at that. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, I thought it was... I thought it was I mean, you could you could do that for literally any any property. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. I did not like it at all. That's me. All right, Jim. Let's let's talk about the things that we were not expecting as announcements this particular time. Possibly, a Star Wars Hotel. Heard a rumor about it, but uh, being announced. Now remember the way he phrased this. He actually admitted, "Hey, you may have heard about this survey we did." All of this 
possible off-ramp conversation. We're exploring this idea. And he ended up the talk with, we really think that this could be a big thing for the company, not for just for Walt Disney World, for the company. This is a concept, Len, they want to walk out worldwide. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Over the weekend, I actually got some pricing info. Okay, go ahead. The introductory level to the, the Star Wars hotel experience. It's, it's a okay. two-night package. And okay. again, you can ramp up from this point. It's $650 per room. Now, that's for the first guest. Each room holds four guests, and every guest is an additional $200. So, maxing out at $1,250. Okay. Now, to your credit, you immediately saw what this was, or more to the point, the business plan of what this was. Yeah, it's basically cruise line pricing mm -hmm. for hotels. And if you think about how a cruise works, you are in a confined space mm. where everything is provided for you. Your entertainment, your meals, your hotel room, every activity, every amenity that you want to do is provided on site. Basically, this is that without having to worry about going out on the open water. Given the way food is priced at Walt Disney World, I really wonder if at that price point the meals are included. But I'm told it comes with swag, it comes with specific missions, you're issued, actually issued credits that you can trade within the world. Galactic uh, credits. And, awesome. and of course, following the cruise line model, there'll be a, a three-day-long itinerary, there'll be a four-day-long itinerary. I don't know oh, how... I was going to ask, is this for the longest? I believe so, but again, you know, the whole notion is, this is brand new to Disney's thinking, and they, yeah. you know, there'll be a lot of playtesting... I love the fact that they verified we were right about Anaheim opening before the Orlando version. Yeah. But I'm hearing they need to do a significant amount of playtesting in the actual land before they can then sign off on the various programs for the hotels and that sort of thing. So probably the earliest we'll see the Star Wars Hotel will be about three years out from the official opening. So what is that? 2022. That gives them a great product to hype for the year after the 50th anniversary. Yeah, it'll give them something else, yeah. Yep. I had heard, and I think this was from you, that mm. they're going to use some sort of magic band technology to link all of these activities together. So the idea is that if you do your experience in the hotel, whatever you just did in the hotel will be available as knowledge to the people in the Star Wars land that you interact with. Mm -hmm. So not only, not only the ride experiences, but literally anything you do that's Star Wars related while you're in Walt Disney World will be available as knowledge to the characters that you encounter. Yeah, JPEG was very upfront about the character that's supposedly driving that Hondo, who's a bounty hunter mm -hmm. from the, I think he was actually introduced in Empire. But yeah, you know, there'll be a guy stomping around the innermost portion of Galaxy Edge like, hey, they dumped my chip because of you. <laughs> I'm supposed to bring you in and you're supposed to dissuade them in some way. Awesome. That's a long ways away. There's a, a ton of playtesting that has to happen. I mean, there's just so many questions to be answered. We'll, we'll probably have enough material in that to do an entire mm -hmm. series of shows. Let's keep in the space theme. Let's talk about over at Epcot, a new uh, mission for Mission Space Green. And then uh, this was uh, out of the blue. Mission Space Restaurant? Yeah. It's, I, it's I, like Coral Reef, but with aliens instead of fish. Okay. Well, actually, doubling back to the Star Wars Hotel, this will be the place that Disney walks out the giant projection window. In fact, from what I'm told, that if you, you know the size of the window and the space... Oh! Would... Do you totally care? understand this. So the Mission Space Restaurant is basically a test of the window technology that they'll use in the Star Wars Hotel? There you go. Oh, okay. If you've seen 
Turtle Talk with Crush. Picture a window that size, but a room ringed with them. What's surprising to me is that some of this stuff has been hiding in plain sight. Think about the Artist Palace restaurant experience. On the cruise on, ship. On the cruise ship. So yeah. now, instead of one of these windows every 10 feet or so, just you're surrounded by them. Yeah. Instead of one person doing the voices, you got four or five people interacting. Yeah. Yeah. If you really think about it, you and I have talked about the earliest iteration of the space attraction for Walt Disney World. And one of the things that it keyed off of was these giant windows that gave you the sense of being in a space that rotated, that, you know, you were really out in space because the the building was seeming to be moving in space because the objects you were looking at were shifting their position and all that sort of thing. And and I guess that's the other thing about this restaurant is they're going to be testing about how much movement is too much movement because, again, people are eating and it's just sort of like... Yeah, you'll fall over and get dizzy or throw up or something. Yeah, right? that's exactly it. It's, that's not the ideal dining experience, but... As for the new film that ILM is making for the green side, mm -hmm. in addition to the new seamless 360 China movie, film. Yeah. the China film, yeah, the China film was one of the other things that uh, that came as a surprise, especially since I mean that's been updated what about 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, was the yeah. most recent one, and that's you know that's longer than we would probably want as as theme park goes. But if you look at Impressions de France, I mean that's been there since the opening. This will be the third China film. Which is fine. Also, you know, Disney probably gets credit with the Chinese government for uh, updating the film. Yeah, so, yeah, I see that. No doubt. They're big-time partners now, what with Shanghai and all that. So, you want to keep people happy. You know this film is going to Shanghai, Disneyland at some point. Oh, yeah, it's got to go. Yeah. Uh, so, real quick, two other things. One of the big announcements that came as a complete surprise, the addition of a third cruise ship to the two that had uh, already been mentioned, and this one being sandwiched in in the delivery. So it's uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022. Yep. Why a third ship? I know cruise sales are doing really, really well, even the, even as uh, attendance at the, the parks is basically flatlining. Cruise ship stuff is well, know, through the roof. They believe it's a, a growth industry with a fleet of six ships and people returning and expecting new amenities and that sort of thing, it just now becomes that more, much more important to have enough inventory that you can pull a ship out and do an 18-month-long retrofit and then bring it back into service. There have also been some discussions of we have some older vessels now and that do we want to perhaps retire them from the fleet and bring in bigger ships to handle larger groups. Yeah. Disney is hesitant to do that for much the same reason that... Carousel of Progress is around? Well, I know more to the effect a of... A lot of... A lot of people had their first cruises on the Magic and the Wonder. I get it, yeah. I've seen all of this in our unofficial guide DCL surveys that people mm -hmm. say, the Wonder will always have a special place in my heart because it was my first cruise or it was my kid's first cruise or, you know, whatever. And I understand that the ships are, you know, coming up on their 20th anniversary. Yep. And mm -hmm. most, most cruise ships have a lifespan of about 25 years. Yeah. It's a delicate maneuver here. Again, they're trying to decide what's right from a nostalgia point of view, what's right from a business point of view. But yeah. did you find it intriguing that the Disney company is willing to admit that they're building a seventh ship, but wouldn't announce the name of the two ships that are already under construction? I mean, yeah, those are gonna be those are gonna be the last last minute things. It's gonna be you know adventure or something like that. the uh, The big question I have is this: mm -hmm. you can't fit all seven ships in Castaway Key in a week. Yeah, you can't. So, <laughs> you so Jim, <laughs> well, where, are they, where are these ships going? <laughs> well, all right. 
Disney has been shopping for another island. Right. The problem is, is just the, the year to two years of prep between having to dig the deeper channel so that the ships can get in and out of the island, building the jetty, building the facilities. At this point, Disney has a couple of different themes for it. The one, of course, that has really come to the front is that to counter the Castaway Key vibe, this is mm-hmm. Disney Pirates. This is going to be, if you're a fan of the Johnny Depp film series, this is the Disney Pirate experience. You're going to go to Tortuga. Wow. It's got to be an experience that complements the Castaway Key, not right. to take away from. I mean, frankly, if you're the Disney company, you've got a number of things to worry about. Mm. Everything from, to be blunt, you know, global warming. Right? What does this island look like in 40 years, right? Yeah. Number two, how do you get people off the island in the event of emergency, things like that? It's, it's not like you can just go pick any 20-acre island in the Caribbean and buy it and call it good. They've got considerations in the year you know, 2017 that they didn't have in the year 1998. This is entirely about. true. And at the same time, you know, this being Disney, they're not shopping for this island under Disney's name. But, of course, everybody in the industry knows that Disney's shopping. So it's like, hello, I am not the mouse company. <laughs> you know, I wish to look at your, your offshore resources. Yeah, that's, that's another problem. Do you think there's a chance that, uh, that any of these ships go permanently to Asia or Europe? I know that is the long-term goal. In fact, part of that will be with ships 8, 9, and 10, because you know those are coming. Yeah. They've just introduced the theme park experience to mainland China, or the Disney theme park experience. And the the president of Wanda, this time last year, was making all sorts of noise about how he was going to crush Disney. You know, how dare they... This company, you know, and he's selling on, you know, now he's selling off all of his theme park assets because it's like he just couldn't compete. No. Yeah. They just view that they've got the theme park experience and introducing that. They'll do things like bring one ship over as a trial, check out ports, see if they can bundle packages. As the Chinese middle class becomes that much more affluent. They'll start. start Yeah. They'll they'll, they'll grow that out. The thing that surprised me most about the cruise ship announcement is, and you know, I've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. We have someone who on the inside, who gave us basically a year or two head, heads up on the mm-hmm. last two ships. And we knew about week we couldn't say ahead of time because of the way that we knew the information. This one, we heard nothing. And, and so I, I asked our, you know, our source, and he said, as far as he knows, they made the announcement of the ship without actually getting a bid on it. Like, literally, it was, we're going to announce that we're going to build a ship, and then we'll figure out how much it's going to cost afterwards. That, that, that's how last-minute this decision was to make that announcement at D23. That tells you so much about how well Disney is doing in this business that they can't yeah, the, the, the spur of the moment $2 billion cruise ship, sure. <laughs> and we'll have one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, just call McDuck. Okay, you know, they, they have them, you know, back up a truck to the money bin. We're shopping again. All right, so last thing before we talk about, uh, before we do the wrap-up part. New Magic Kingdom Theater. This is going to go behind... The existing Magic Kingdom, the, the right-hand side of the street, uh, from what I'm told, we talked a couple years ago about the arcade-style paths that are built mm-hmm. behind the existing Magic Kingdom right now, ostensibly for crowd flow during the very busiest times of the year. And now it looks like Disney's actually going to make regular use of those pathways because I think this new Magic Kingdom theater is supposed to go behind 
the existing Main Street, right? Yeah. This replaces those hedges they roll in. I was just talking with Tim O'Day about this the day before yesterday. Tim's a longtime Disney vet, you know, the entertainment side of things and all that. This is something the kingdom has needed for decades. Just a, a dedicated theater that they can do shows for the park in. Uh, something that can swallow 2,000 people at a time off oh, of the street. Oh, it's that big. This is Hyperion-level capacity, Len. But the difference is because it's Florida, you're actually going to have a lobby. You're actually going to have air conditioning. You're not making people queue up outside and burning to death so they can then see Frozen the musical. <laughs> but this the will first, be- is, the, is the first theme song, Irony. Irony. There we go. How, uh, when, when is, uh, is it going to be built? Construction will start next year. Now, understanding this is the backstage parking lot. Yeah. Those folks you've, you've been enjoying, that wonderful bus that takes you backstage and drops you off, uh, this is being built pretty much where that gets dropped. So, yeah. giant capacity. The idea is it will come online in time for the 50th anniversary. Okay. A brand new show that keys off of the 50th will be the inaugural production and then the business plan is every three to five years a new show will be loaded in you know that was kind of the business plan for the the voyage of the little mermaid and beauty and the beast live on stage so um we'll see the the magic kingdom though will uh change as much more on that so jim nothing else in in, on main street that was being touched for this the main street theater is not going away no uh, not not going away okay this is this is literally an addition no, what's really cool about it is it, it provides the backstop for that alleyway. And and now oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. this will become a permanent part of the Magic Kingdom, not just something where they throw the doors open when the crowds are particularly large. That um, So, yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be a regular part. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with that. It, here's what I did, Jim, when, with the Magic Kingdom. When, I, when we heard about the theater announcement yep. and where the Tron coaster was going, if you look on Google Maps, if you do a, a, a backup of it, and you yep. look at the space around... You know, the Magic Kingdom is bordered on one side by the Seven Seas Lagoon, by, you know, basically Bay Lake on the other. But if you look north, mm-hmm. there is actually a ton of expansion space that is only bordered by Grand Floridian Way. But mm-hmm. they could increase the size of the Magic Kingdom by a quarter to a third by doing that. Do you think that that's now sort of on the table in terms of, you know, 20 year expansion, 30 year expansion? Now, remember, we actually talked about the Moana coaster that was actually going to be built going into the lagoon. By the way, I got confirmed that it became an either-or proposition for the 50th that do they do the Tron coaster uh, or they do the Moana idea. And basically, it's like, look, we know from Shanghai we have a hugely popular thrill ride. We have a proven ride system. Whereas Moana, unfortunately, Moana actually is, is seen somewhat as a disappointment by the Walt Disney Company. Well, especially in comparison to Frozen, which made yeah. $1.2 billion, and Zootopia, which made a billion and change. Uh, worldwide, Moana was $642 million. Yeah. It amazes me to think, oh, well, you know, that's kind of disappointing. Do we really want to tie our brand new thrill ride and that sort of thing uh, to that. So that's now off the table. And this would have gone in Adventureland, right? This was the... Well, it it followed the Indiana Jones adventure from California plan in that you you had this immense queue that finally took you out under the train tracks to... Well, the ride itself would have straddled the train tracks and that there would have been a show scene inside of the volcano that, that people would have seen from the train. 
in today's Disney world, this, this is what this comes down to. That is it a super popular IP? And I was also told that the Wreck-It Ralph, the Sugar Rush ride that is supposed to go into the old stitches or the, the I guess it's back up now or, for, or on a it's seasonal only for, basis. Only for the summer. Okay, Stitch's Great Escape. We have to wait to see how Wreck-It Ralph 2 does in November of, of 2018. If, if that ah, okay. does well, they'll turn the key. Though I'm told that Disney is really keeping a close eye on Universal's Nintendo. Yeah. And they believe that this ride would be a crucial part of their response to that. Oh, oh, oh before I forget, I, I really have to share, share this thing. Okay. I was talking with Mark Eads at the D23 Expo. Mark Eads is a reporter for the Orange County Register, but was also an Imagineer previously. I mean, in fact, he, he rode herd on Star Tours, and he was one of the team working on Muppet Vision for 3D back in the early 90s. Because of the whole Steve Whitmire being replaced as the voice of Kermit thing that's been in the news lately, the yeah. topic of the Muppets came up. And he, he said, you know, people don't realize this, but we had another really good, strong idea for what we were going to do in the Muppets in the park. And that was we were going to build a Pigs in Space attraction, <laughs> but put it in, in Mission to Mars. Oh, so, that'd be funny. So instead of Mr. Johnson, it's Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. And, but, you know, the idea is they spoof Mission to Mars, Flight to the Moon. But when you got into the, the main room, you are now looking out at the screens at Miss Piggy and Link Hogthrog and Dr. Julius Strangepork. It's that they pilot the swine trek when you're on board. But I, I guess, again, when Jim died and they had that, you know, this is one of the ideas that never made off the table, but it's like, oh, we could have had a pigs in space, right? Pigs so, in space. There we go. That's for the, So you mentioned the Nintendo Land thing and the fact that Disney's not announcing Wreck-It Ralph until possibly later. We'd heard from Disney Imagineers at D23 that they basically announced half to two-thirds of the things that they, they could have possibly announced, and that at the last minute, these decisions were made as late as, as Thursday about yeah. what was going into the presentations. What are some of the things that didn't get announced that you expected to get announced? I'm kind of stunned that, you know, announcing the Pixar Pier project right. for Disney California Adventure. And so they, they lay that out there, but they don't talk about the Monsters, Inc. land that's supposedly coming to the studios is, you know, the phase three of the expansion. Or for that matter, they talk about how well... Guardians is done, and they actually they made a point of showing the slide of the adventurers, sort of, for lack of a better term, the, the sewer cap with the lock yeah. on it. So you don't want to talk about the Captain America coaster? And it's like, no, they're not ready. Part of this really is Disney is a company of storytellers. So they want to tell the story in their own way. In their own time, I think, yeah. Yeah. When they showed that concept art of, well, this is what we're thinking of doing with Future World, and it's like you and I, I think, both looked at that, and it's like, geez, Project Gemini back yeah. from the dead. That's <laughs> what somebody said. Is this, is this the concept art for, pro, for Project Gemini, but at a different angle? And nope. you look at the trees in, uh, in Future World. Yeah. yeah. The thing that I, I found surprising about that was, you know, you look at what they're, what they're projecting for Epcot, and you go back and look at what, how many trees were in the Magic Kingdom back in the 70s. Oh, yeah. And you think to yourself, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. <laughs> yeah, I guess exactly so. like that. Yeah. Was, there, was there anything that surprised you that they didn't announce? Or? You know, I, th I, th I thought the Brazil or Spain pavilion, the fact that we oh, didn't so that we were getting. You are, you are so right about that. I, and let me tell you again, this is what I was told. 
not from Kevin Rafferty. Okay. I want to stress this. That one fell off the table because the decision was made at the highest possible level at the company. It's like, look, mm-hmm. we are not opening a new land in World Showcase unless we have an attraction that's tied to an IP. It just it makes really no, it makes no sense to the modern Disney company if they're going to go to all the trouble to build at a new country around the World Showcase Lagoon. Because face it, you've just lost an expansion pad neck between France and Morocco. Right. We lost an expansion pad between Norway and Mexico to the summer who's So these are starting to dwindle. And so the thinking is you can't do something like Brazil and expect people to be excited. It needs a ride. So it's like, look. Let's just tap the brakes. This is a five-year plan, and mm-hmm. let's hope to God they sort out the story problems for Gigantic. And speaking of which, they must be significant story problems, Len, because during the animation pavilion, there was absolutely no mention whatsoever of Gigantic. And remember, at the really? last D23, there was a 15-minute long chunk of the show dedicated to this thing. Oh, 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 before I forget, though, to sort of compensate, mm-hmm. there's an attraction going to be added to the UK pavilion. Again, this was another thing that did not get announced, but it's a Mary Poppins themed thing. Before everybody gets excited, this is not Tony Baxter's giant epic ride through from the 70s or the 80s. This is a carousel. It's going to be similar to the thing you saw in the original 64 movie, but also mm-hmm. with characters from the new film, the one they'll be debuting new December. By the way, Len, the footage, mm-hmm. when they ran that footage during the live action people, they lost their minds. I mean, oh. the sound from the audience when to see Dick Van Dyke again as the banker or to see Emily Blunt making her entrance as, as Mary Poppins or to, to put people back on Cherry Tree Street. I think that's what I've also heard is that there's going to be a park with the carousel added because there's a whole big scene set in the park with the balloon woman in Mary Poppins Returns. Mm-hmm. There's also supposedly going to be a facade added for Cherry Tree Street that will allow a Mary Poppins meet and greet. Because mm-hmm. the belief is that this movie is going to bring Mary back in a big way and people are going to want to meet her in the parks. And this will be this will be in the behind the existing. That's it exactly. Uh, okay, so you walk back. Okay, got it. This was a space that back in the day there there was a phase two for the UK, and there was they were yeah. going to build a sort of a Crystal Palace music hall yep. back there. Yeah, I mean, if you walk back there, you can you can see where the essentially the road just ends, and you can tell where the phase two was going to go. Okay, you know, and the sad part of it is that that so much of the land that was going to be used for the expansion actually has been eaten by the world show place structure, which, which isn't going anywhere. So this is yeah. kind of a foreshortened thing. But again, they're going to actually want to see the giant pile of money that Mary Poppins Returns generates. And then sure. that's Christmas 2018. So expect the official announcement in the spring of 2019 to no, open so up. The, the next, the next D23. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, great job at, uh, at D23. Uh, you're, you're now going to go into your one week long post D23 nap. That I am, but before I go, people will kill us if we don't talk about the Bantha ride, Len. <laughs> All right, I mean, seriously, <laughs> they will come to their ho- our houses and kill us. All right, go ahead, good. All right. All right, basically, this was ride number three. It's a callback to a classic Disney attraction. Remember how there was the mine train through nature's wonderland, but you could also take the mule 
The mule, right. And so you had much of the same experience, but also some different show scenes. If you remember from the Star Wars movies, the Bantha is just basically an elephant with a lot of fur on top of it, and you can barely see the feet. So what Disney was going to do is they were going to use the Ratatouille ride system, only build this giant platform that you had to climb up a ladder and get up into this cage that was supposedly in the back of the Bantha. So it would be... 12 to 16 people at a time. On top of the Bantha. Yeah, but it departed from the heart of the city. You know, you're walking through the city and, hey, you want to have your picture taken with the Bantha? Would you like to ride the Bantha? And because it's so shaggy and it's got so much fur on it, Disney had the suggestions of giant elephant feet that would sort of move along with the vehicle. But you would now then go on a tour that would take you from the heart of the city out into the hills overlooking Galaxy's Edge. And you could actually, from there, look down and go, hey, look at, there's an X-Wing and there's an A-Wing, and hey, the Resistance has landed. Oh, my God, what's going on there? And then you came through the city again and toured some of the sites, and then you came to the square where the, the TIE fighter was, and it's like, oh, look, stormtroopers wow. are here. And, but it was the notion of you, it was the one ride that was going to give you a taste of everything and drop you back in the heart of the city. And the thinking was that, well, because people know Banthas from the classic Star Wars movies, it's just yeah. like the Millennium Falcon. It's something, it's a touchstone from the original that people know, but at the same time, it can be in this loose construct. That's the other thing people need to understand about Galaxy's Edge. It's deliberately designed to allow them to bring in characters from all of the new films that are being made. That supposedly, that that's one of the reasons they've got that third expansion pad set aside, waiting for the for the one ride that people absolutely have to go on that's based on a Star Wars movie that hasn't even been made yet. Right. You'd, you'd mentioned this when we, uh, when we talked over the weekend, that, yep. that there's a significant chunk of the land that's basically going to be set aside for, you know, films 10 through 20 or whatever. And go. that if they, if they come up with a, with something that looks like a good ride sequence, or let's face it, a good restaurant. I mean, it'll, uh, it'll go. No, that's it exactly. Bantha burgers for everyone. Yeah. But now all I can think about is the Bantha ride. What <laughs> <So. laughs> if there's any concept art for that? I want to say at the first presentation, when they officially announced the D23 at the D23 Expo in 2015, there mm-hmm. was a slide of a Bantha on the streets of uh, Galaxy's Edge. I'll tell you what, I'll look around and see if somebody yeah. actually snagged a shot of that because that's that's what fell off the table. And, and, and given the size of the band, it must have made a hell of a thud. So. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Folks, you've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Jedi Adams. Please go on to Stitcher and iTunes or your local Katina and review the show and tell us what you would like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.